You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. We thrive on the support of our listeners, so check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. All right, for episode 38, we have a little bit of follow-up. You want to take us into that, Matt? Yeah, last time we talked about DAWs, and um, as I'm using Ableton myself, of course, I recommended Ableton for certain things, and I said during the discussion that Whatever you buy, whatever MIDI controller you're buying nowadays, you're going to get a light version of Ableton Live. And yesterday I bought a new MIDI controller and lo and behold, there is a new, or not new, but I've got another copy of Ableton Live Lite now available <laughs> to me. Um, if anybody wants it, just shoot me an email. Um, yeah. Well, I've, I've seen these little light versions of Ableton come with so many products that it's, it's like the what I described as the AOL free trial of, of music software. Yeah. Um, though, I mean, admittedly, Ableton is a lot cooler than AOL ever was as far as software goes. <laughs> um, or, or it's like the, the glitter being the herpes of craft supplies. It's like they're just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But it's a new fun toy. I can I now use it as a mini view of my launch pad um, to launch and loop some MIDI and play my bass synth and a little bit of that and yeah, a little bit more flexibility now. Um, but every time I buy something new, I'm in this planning phase of okay, which kind of functionalities can I port to that? And then I'm free on my launch pad again. What I'm going to do with that now? Wait, I can do this, but then I'm going to need another thing. And so I'm already planning <laughs> on buying the next tool. And my USB hub is now completely used up. I'm going to need a new one soon if I buy anything else anymore. Do you tr- do any of your devices get powered through USB or do you tend to plug Most them in them. separately? Most of them. Okay. Um, there is only one, two... There's one mixer, uh, mixer uh, in air quotes here, and one foot pedal that have to have uh, external battery input. Um, Other than that, yeah, they're all just USB powered. So we got a little bit of snake oil. It's been some time since we had some snake oil on the show and Lyons provided us with this one. Uh, He said that he couldn't even bring himself to read the article after reading the headline. I can understand Let's let's get it. So this article is about reel-to-reel tape being the new vinyl, it having a comeback. <laughs> um, yeah. This... Now, with without even getting into it, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, let's just start off with no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the first thing you would say is uh, reel-to-reel tape was never and will never be a consumer level product and i guess that's you know part of their point is that it's super crazy audio files but and we'll get into dissecting that in a bit um but vinyl at least is and was a consumer level thing you people bought record players and so on that sense i don't see how reel to reel is replacing vinyl now it seems like that what they mean is that the the quality level is that it outclasses vinyl is their main point and to me, that just says you were over-praising vinyl before because vinyl is nothing special other than nostalgia and subjective, like, emotional reasons. Otherwise, it's just an okay format that's really inconvenient in a lot of ways. They're saying here in the article, uh, for starters, it has greater dynamic range than vinyl with extraordinary sound at the frequency extremes, the treble and bass. Yeah, no, you know what else can do that? <laughs> Digital <laughs> audio files. So as yeah. you just said... Um, 
comparing it to vinyl, well, vinyl isn't the best thing audio quality-wise to begin with. And okay, it has a bigger dynamic range. That's fine. Now, extraordinary sound at the frequency extremes, treble and bass, which are we talking about? Those that are just reproducible or those you are able to perceive as a human being? Um, yeah. I mean, it can have the greatest uh, frequency response at 30,000 kilohertz if I can't hear it there. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then there's, well, then you get into the, the ghost stories of super harmonic interactions that somehow, you know, the poltergeist in the higher frequencies <laughs> is coming down and interacting with the, the lower frequencies. And so you need to capture those. And, um, that, we, we've covered that bit of nonsense in the past. Um, yeah. So, so let's get to the hardware itself. Um, this article kind of was sparked that, um, a new, a manufacturer brought out a new, device or just a new machine a new reel-to-reel tape machine and suddenly people were like oh if they're making it must have a comeback and there was an interview or just a short snippet uh, about a repair shop that was refurbishing those tape machines all of it sounds like some great nostalgia but doesn't really seem like a wave like it was a few years ago when vinyl was i would say definitely having a comeback I, I would like to see those numbers if I, I guess vinyl must have stagnated again or is it still rising? I know some people have switched to regular cassette tapes again, um, which I find a little bit more fun. And at least I can put that into something. I, I think I must have, yeah. have one device in my home right now that can still play a cassette. But reel-to-reel tape still needs extra hardware. Um, you have to get those tapes somewhere. Yeah, like fine studio fire sales where yeah. they're throwing out original masters. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe I can just hook up my computer to them and record all of my MP3 files to it. Um, wait, no, what would be the, <laughs> that doesn't make what would be the point in that then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get why reel-to-reel tape has its place in, in music history for recording, for production, because it, it was and probably remains one of the better options other than digital <laughs> for, for recording. Um, but you know, we weren't recording the vinyl number one, because you can't really do that. It's not how vinyl pressing works, but, um, even if you could somehow write to vinyl directly, you wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like what kind of weird elitist upper class, like <laughs> life do you have to live to be like, I got a real, real tape and I spent thousands of dollars acquiring <laughs> certain bands that were rich enough to record on real to real tape and yeah it's just weird it's so niche i'm just um not really fact checking what you just said about being able to record directly to vinyl but i remember there being a live session of folds where it was said that this live session was tracked directly to vinyl in one take um i found the youtube video i'm just gonna read it I'm, I'm just gonna send it here um Maybe it was possible. Maybe you can hook it up, but usually you wouldn't do it that way other than for a very special occasion. Like it would definitely not be the norm to do that. Um, Direct to vinyl. I mean, I, I definitely like there was recording booths historically where people it's like make a record of your voice singing. So the, mm-hmm. yeah, I do think it's technically possible, but not Feasible. in any sort of yeah. production quality. Cause you need like, it's a more intensive process to yeah. master and set for vinyl. Um, another quote here from the article, um, the Phase 12, which is one of those reel-to-reel tape devices, the Phase 12 reveals extreme minute details, the kind of things that only the recording engineers heard on the original master tape. Okay, and he goes on, when, 
When I was listening to Led Zeppelin 3 last night, I could hear the pedal squeak every time John Bonham hit the bass drum. This is very funny because I've heard that exact same quote about people talking about vinyl, <laughs> people talking about flag recording or just in general uncompressed recording about that specific record where you could hear the bass pedal squeak. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just that it was a very shitty recording of a drum set and you can always hear that bass pedal squeak. Yeah. Yeah, people trot out these these little phantoms they claim they can... I can hear the bus outside the studio now. It's such a clean, perfect reproduction of sound. I'm, I'm actually in the room now. Help me. I'm trapped because it <laughs> sounds so real. Yeah, but maybe we don't know. Maybe we should try it out. Maybe we should tr listen to some reel-to-reel -reel tape. Maybe it's the Oculus Rift of audio and we can actually <laughs> be in there. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's see where this wave goes. I'm pretty sure we're not going to hear anything about it. Unless Monster comes out with some special reel-to-reel -reel tape vinyl that are very good at carrying those extreme frequency ranges and, and the dynamics. I mean, they must have a, a very special kind of cable for vinyl already. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, can you record directly onto gold yet? <laughs> well, if there is a way, Monster will find that out. 3D print gold, that's... Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. So let's get to our big rant of the show. Oh, man. I, I've been ranting about this all week in different yeah. ways. Um, so I, I don't even know if I want to share the original article because I don't, I don't really have any ill will towards this person in particular. Yeah. And let's or, say right off the bat, the music is good. Definitely. Yeah. So let's just say there was an article in a local... Um, I won't even say what 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 rag posted this, but uh, the 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 article was about a struggling musician who has their debut full length, and, and the article is like it was worth the wait. And it's you know it's very clearly like a marketing push of like here's the story. Don't you feel bad for them? Well, their music's so amazingly ache, aching and heartful and full of struggle, and uh, come to the CD release. And there's all these cool people that help produce the record and. Um, it kind of just drew out a couple of themes that, uh, I don't, I don't have like an exact conclusion. I was just bothered by it. And maybe we can hash this out on the show and see if there's, if I'm just mad and need to get over it or if, if there's actually something annoying here. And, uh, for one, um, the, the story of this article was, it was about someone who moved to a new city, recently ended a relationship and wanted to pursue music. But, you know, stop me if this sounds cliche, but uh, had to work a bunch of crappy jobs and struggled financially to, to focus on the music career. Um, then launched a Kickstarter and raised, you know, almost $10,000 and uh, also had some some fun studio friends that let her, you know, get some sessions in between other bands. And uh, five years later has an album and is now, you know, on a, on a promotional um, tour to, to get people out to the show. And... Uh, Totally not cliche. <laughs> and so um, I guess some things that I get drawn out for me is kind of this, um, there's like some purity narrative in a lot of musicians of like, I'm just focusing on my art now. And like, yeah, I have jobs. Oh my God, I had to have some jobs <laughs> along the way. And this like, I don't, I hate that. Like something about that, it just bothers me because it, it like, it suggests there's like no dignity in those jobs that other non-musicians have. And maybe they work full time at a coffee shop or food service or a laundromat or whatever. I don't know. And it's like, 
yeah, I'm not running after that job either, but I also don't like think I'm better than someone who works one of those jobs. And so that bothers me. Also, I feel like this, this whole narrative of, of struggling with nothing to produce your art feels a little undercut by the, then I ask people to give me tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and, um, the reason that bothers me is because of this whole perfect, pure, unadulterated artist image. And I'm like, I have nothing against patron models. I mean, this whole podcast network has a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot and please donate dollars to us. Do it right now. Um, So it's not the patron model on its own that I have any problem with. If you can get people to support you, awesome. More power to you. And so all this is kind of swirling around. And maybe I'll let you say a few words about this since I feel like I've been repeating myself a lot. Well, the thing is, nowadays, you just can't expect to just be... I'm going to do art and I'm going to live off of that from from this very moment on. I mean, I don't really have the goal of doing music full time, but even then, right now, I'm, I just have a regular job. I have a regular job that I pursue, that I earn my money with, and then I do the music on the side. And I'm going to keep doing that unless there is a very big breakthrough that would happen, but um, I'm not betting on any of this. So at this point, music is a hobby, um, just like any other hobby out there. So if you're working to get money to live, and you have time to make it to, to do your hobby. All right. But if you want to make your hobby your job, you have to make your hobby your job. And that means extreme sense of marketing. You have to really push yourself everywhere. And yeah, especially at the beginning, you won't have a lot of income. So unless you have a, unless you have some budget on the side that you can live off for some time, yeah, you're going to have to work any job that you can get. And then we're back at the point where you are working and doing the music on the side. So it, it just doesn't work unless you have a start somewhere, unless you have a base to work with, either on the music side or you just have tons of cash lying around so you can be like, okay, I'm going to do my money. Uh, I'm going to do my music now. Yeah. Um, if you want to go this pure artist route, yeah, go ahead, do it. Just don't complain because it's not really a surprise what's going to happen. And this, <laughs> uh, this whole article is me thinking, yeah, um, this reads like you were surprised this was happening. I've got this paragraph here. I've learned that it's about figuring out how to pull all these jobs together that are going to make your living while you build this other thing that also requires all of your attention of all, all of the time. Yes, yes. And <laughs> one minute of thinking about it makes you realize that that's going to happen. I think when you start out, you want to believe that you're going to be the one that breaks the odds. Um, dot 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 you're really making an illogical financial and potentially disastrous decision yes <laughs> also you can find that out beforehand and um if you want yeah. to go that right route okay go ahead do it but um now i've also got to add that it depends on who wrote the article um there are so many sob stories that are produced for artists or for personalities where the the person um involved or the person here the, the singer the artist Maybe she didn't didn't really want that article to turn out that way or that to have that tone to it. Maybe yeah. she was just um, objectively asked about her experience about the last few years, about how this album came together, and they gave it the spin. And now we're complaining about it like that was her whole deal, like let's market it like this sob story. So yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna bet money that this uh, is mostly about the uh, the the label or the, just the the article, the journalist who just wanted to push a story. 
I would definitely expect to believe that because, you know, let's be honest, it, it is good marketing. You, you yeah, give people a story, <laughs> you, you, you pull on their heartstrings, you, you make them want to come, you make them want to react and, and support. Um, Except and, for us snarky cynics with our podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> just weren't for us meddling kids. Taking pot shots from across the internet. Um, again. From across the ocean. And maybe this is why I don't want to include a link. I, I have no ill will towards this artist. I don't actually know her. I'm not trying to make any assumptions about that. I'm just responding to the article. Um, but another point that I, um, in one of my rants to other people about this, um, is, uh, I was recently at the Adobe Max conference. And uh, one of the keynote speakers was talking about creative people historically and kind of getting at this whole, is creative work your job or is it your entire career or is it your calling or, you know, like, and she, uh, the speaker wasn't biasing towards any of those or saying any of them were correct, um, but more trying to broaden people from like, there's not one answer to this. And uh, she brought up how, uh, you know, the author T.S. Eliot was a banker. And being a really damn good banker meant he earned a nice living and was able to make space in his life to pursue his art. Um, or Philip Glass, a famous minimalist composer, was a plumber. And, uh, there, she told a story that, uh, the, the, the critic for the New York Times, uh, suddenly noticed that this plumber in his house was Philip Glass. And he's <laughs> like, Hey, you're Philip Glass. And he's like, Yeah, I am. Shut up. Can you leave so I can finish doing my job here? And it's just like, it doesn't have to be completely divorced of like, Who am I? I'm a musician only. It's like, I think it works out all different ways. And I'm, I guess I'm just tired of the one way getting all the, you know, story time. There was a musician and they were poor yeah. and they struggled and they somehow pulled together all these heartfelt songs about how life changes and stuff. And don't forget about those $9,000. And by the way, can you please fund my record for me? <laughs> and so I guess what I'd say is I, I said earlier that I'm not against the patron model. Clearly or I'd, I'd be a hypocrite because I'm doing it with this podcast network. But what I don't like is excessively patron based. Like, um, I'm going to take no responsibility for my life. Can everyone else please fund it for me? (laughs) Um, and so, I mean, I've, I've known some people that seems like every couple months they want to do some crazy dramatic turn in their life. I want to travel to this foreign country and, you know, become a monk in Tibet or, you know, I want to go whatever. It's, it's always something wild and weird with, uh, one of these people and they ask for money every single time. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> support yourself. <laughs> um, anyway, and yeah. I, I feel like I sound like some right wing, like conservative right now. Like everyone should just get a damn job and like <laughs> take care of themselves. But no, I'm, I'm actually have a lot of progressive views, but in this sense, I, I don't like taxing everyone else for my life. Yeah. And as I said, you can make music your job, but you have to approach it like a job. And that will always give you a very different uh, view on your own music because suddenly, even when you're composing, you're thinking about, can I sell this? Can I make money with this? Yeah. Now it's like, completely okay. A lot of songwriters live on that and produce all those pop songs that you hear in the top 100. But you have to approach it like that. And if you're approaching it like, I want to make great music and then be able to live off of that, you're going to have a very hard time. Mm-hmm. There's just realities about the, the the world and the markets of how music is valued that are just going to make it very difficult these days. Yeah. 
as we've discussed before, you got to get your stuff licensed. <laughs> One more thing on, on the on that record. Um, I went to their band camp. Um, it was an album with eight or nine tracks. Um, I was just kind of um, confused that the digital album is $15 and the CD, the physical CD, is also $15. And especially with an independent release of an yeah more or less unknown artist i don't know if i don't know ten dollars for the digital i wouldn't have complained but making it the same price you're clearly pushing up the price of the digital to make up for the cd and uh mm, yeah i I don't like this (laughs) but that's a personal complaint other people would be fine paying 15 dollars because they wouldn't use the cd anyway but i just know the production that goes on and the costs involved with making a cd and it's just obvious that you can make yeah. the digital cheaper and maybe even get more, get a few more sales. Yep. Well, speaking about Bandcamp, I'm starting to get uh, or grow a Chinese audience. It makes it sound like they're plants in some <laughs> greenhouse. <laughs> As I do every day, um, in parentheses, every 10 minutes, I check my Bandcamp statistics <laughs> and try to guess where people are coming from. And most of the time it actually tells me. And I've been getting a lot of plays and... Uh, general views from china or at least they're coming through chinese um, search engines or chinese website i tried to look it up and found out that it's a uh, the kind of youtube of china more or less um they don't re-upload those videos they kind of embed embed them in their own player maybe you've seen those where the comments actually fly through the video at the point where it was made mm-hmm. uh, it looks crazy if you if you i'm, I'm gonna send you the link oh, i'm gonna put the link in the show notes yeah, where somebody just reposted the speed paint videos that uh, last us, where I put all my music in, and I tried the Google Translate on that page, and actually did a pretty good job. Um, I could understand most of what was said in the comments, and a lot of people were asking about the the BGM, about the background music, and um, now the video it says doesn't the video itself only has like echologs right at the very end, but not no title and all that. But people were actually seeking it out, pasting the link in the comments, and other people were thanking them. I was like, "Great, wow, they 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 want this stuff." And so I started uh, today updating some of my Bandcamp descriptions and all that, and putting them all in Chinese through Google Translate, um, <laughs> making sure that it was kind of understandable when I translated them back. And actually, the next video that goes up today, um, we actually have a special message for those uh, viewers on that website. Uh, in Chinese, they're saying, hey, hey, thanks for enjoying the video. Um, if you can, because I know um, about that great firewall of China, if you can check out those links at the end of the video and you can also find the music there just so they know we actually know about them because in general, you don't have any kind of communication. The website doesn't function in English in any way. It's all Chinese. I I don't have any way to contact those people, and yeah. but it's just funny that they're like across the world. There are just a um, few hundred people who are now playing that. And actually, in the last few hours since I've updated my Bandcamp description, I've got five new downloads just on that uh, release. So it seems to be working. Nice. You have to get into some Chinese social networks. Oh yeah. Um, is that possible from, from, I mean, it, it should be working this way around. Um, but yeah, should learn Chinese then. Um, Duolingo, do your job of the Chinese and Japanese, please. So we have this other topic here of uh, 
I feel like we probably discussed this, you know, like 30 episodes ago. So we probably are, let's do a revisit. Um, uh, and that is the topic of growing your audience. And, uh, you encountered a Reddit thread where there's kind of a single answer that everyone <laughs> parrots over and over. So yeah, what's and the deal not, with growing your audience? It's in every Reddit thread. Every time somebody on We Are The Music Makers asks, how can I grow my audience? How can I get more people to listen to me? How can I sell more albums? How can I play more live gigs? Um, okay, the last one we should put in parentheses. <laughs> um, that The answer makes sense there, but... The answer is always play live shows, play local shows, play everywhere, play everything you can get. While at the same time, there's those same people are always the people saying never pay for a gig and maybe even never play a gig for free. Um, now, I'm also the same way. Never play, never pay for a gig. And I've gotten to the point where I say I'm not going to play for free unless um, I really want to have fun at that show and I know I'm going to have fun. Yeah. And um but those regular shows that we used to play, I wouldn't be doing those again without there being um at least some money flowing to compensate some things and maybe something on top, maybe, not necessarily. But yeah. everybody gets told play live shows and I have a gripe with that. Because first of all, not everybody can play their live shows. A lot of the time people who are asking this are those EDM bedroom producers. People like me who are sitting in front of their computer producing their music. And now I have a lot of possibilities with my setup right now to play those songs live. But not everybody has. Maybe some people just have a keyboard and a launch pad and they make some music and are making some MP3s. And they're like, yeah, but I can't perform my music. Because um, usually that's the next thread that opens up. How can I perform my live stuff? And I, I bet those people are always those who come from those threads who are like, okay, got to play live. Otherwise, nobody's going to listen to me. Bullshit. <laughs> if you invest your time on the internet, on online promotion, you can get your stuff heard by more people than the band that plays live every two weeks. Because the time that you invest in practicing for those gigs, even finding them and playing them, just to get a handful of people who then know you, which I always make a dis uh, distinction that people who've seen you live, who know you aren't necessarily fans right away. They may become fans. Some people who are fans in the first show they visit will kind of forget about you um even if they know mm -hmm. you're playing live um unless you always have fresh material so it's not a it's not a really the best way to do it it's a good way to do it it's but it's not the only way to do it and it's definitely not the be all and all because everybody's just about playing live and i don't yeah. see that working that well when it, it really depends on your music scene and what what the audience is like in your area, especially because right. if you're in a scene that's thriving and people are going to shows, then yeah. yes, get on sure. better and better shows and get yourself. Obviously no one's saying, well, if you could get in front of 300 people, you shouldn't do it because it doesn't work. It's like, no, if you're no. going to play for hundreds of people by all means, of course. Yeah. But, um, the kind of just the blind answer, no matter, you know, regardless of context, it is kind of dumb. And, uh, you know, there are just so many other ways to also find an audience. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say only pursue one direction, but, um, the band or the, the actual thing of going one direction. Um, but <laughs> you know, you can build a, like you're doing with your YouTube videos. Uh, I, I'm really envious of what you and Lars have going because his speed paint videos are amazing just on their own visually. They're just like fascinating to watch. 
And then that's just an amazing chance to support it with really great music. Um, because there's not a lot of audio content in a speed paint because unless Lars wants to narrate it, it's basically just watching. No, he doesn't, watch him. doesn't, doesn't <laughs> want his voice in any of that. <laughs> and so it's just like an amazing pairing of just like win and win. And, uh, you know, that or, you know, obviously getting your stuff on TV show or, you know, into yeah. films. Um, there's tons of options for exposure and just yeah. play live, play live. Like, and and for you, the listener who maybe tries to get on that train, I'm going to give you a hint there. Everybody on YouTube wants music for their stuff. Music that they know won't get them copyright flagged or blocked in Germany. Everybody wants that. Just find the channel that's in, in the medium range of subscribers and shoot them a message and say, hey, use my music for free. Just put that and that in the description and mention it. Yeah, You can do that for half an hour a day and you will have more fans than playing live shows every week. Definitely. If your music is good. We're always talking about music that's already good. It shouldn't be yeah. a problem with the music. And now, of course, I have, I'm in the great position that the guy who has that YouTube channel is my fiance, but... Um, even if that wasn't the case, you can find people on there because now people are approaching me asking me for my music. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, it, there's always a way, a venue, and YouTube right now is the biggest playing field of that. And um, go on that train. Go try to find people, channels that might want to use your music, that fit to your music. Um, it's it's Actually, it's very easy <laughs> thinking about it. It's very easy. It's it's a game of numbers, a game of numbers that's easy to play and doesn't involve a lot of costs like playing live. To, to sum it up, do play live if you have the chance and you want to play live and you have fun playing live or you just want to do it a few times to see what it's like. And But don't feel like playing live is the only way to, to get people to listen to your stuff or just to get fans. Let's just say it, having fans. Um, it's not the only way. It's not necessarily the best way, depending on circumstances on your music and on the scene in your area and the venues in your area and your own schedule. Maybe you're always working at the time that people would go to concerts. Um, yeah. It's just everybody has to have a different approach. And um, I just see that in general, doing something online, promoting something online is usually a little bit easier than just going the play live route because play life is just okay i'm gonna shut my head off i'm just gonna play live for a few months yeah and i mean let's also just admit not everyone is good at playing live that's not a, like a, an edgy yeah. thing to say like it's it's a different set of skills than mm -hmm. producing great music there's there's amazing musicians that are composed brilliant stuff and they're boring as hell when they get on stage And then there's other people that their songs aren't all that special, but something magical happens when they step on a stage. They're performers. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, I don't mean to make it a dichotomy, but there's a spectrum of of talent on, on the songwriting and on the performance side. And not everyone's, you know, even if they are kind of good at it, you know, not everyone likes playing live. And so it, it, there's a lot of things to think about. Yeah. There's always a lot of things to think about. <laughs> so then let's get to our picks of the week. Yeah, you should go first this time. I think we picked kind of similar songs this time or with a similar tone. Um, my pick of the week is Sir with With the City and the whole EP is called With the City Step by Step for Getting All. It's a very melancholic track or EP in general. I'm going to talk about the EP in general, but I mostly mean that one song that I'm going to play. Um, I discovered them on Bandcamp um, when I was cruising around for some post-rock stuff. 
Um, I briefly chatted with him because I, if I remember correctly, I actually bought the music. Um, I, he's got this uh, pay what you want thing also. Really nice guy. And those loops he's playing with, um, he's has got some other records that are mostly made up of loops. Just great stuff all around. Um, he has a great, interesting guitar sound and those lo-fi drum beats. It's one of those cases where you have a calm song, but the drum beat is sometimes really hectic, but it works together very well. And a lot of extra instrumentation. And so let's just hear a little bit of Sir. So what'd you think of that track? Oh, that was delicious. Um, <laughs> uh, it reminded me of uh, some of the melancholy tracks and maybe some Castlevania games. Um, also, I mean, these are not meant to be <laughs> reductive comparisons. <laughs> um, or even the iPad game I shared a track from months ago um, from Swords and Sorcery, I think it was yeah. called. Um just that that amazing lo-fi um, could be set under all sorts of sad adventure games to great effect, um, and also reminds me a little bit of uh, the No Twist. They like to layer some some wind instruments over melancholy a lot, and um, I love that stuff. It, this this was great. Wish they were on Spotify. I'll have to download it and uh, add it yeah, as a local it's only file. A so, what was your pick of the week? My pick of the week was Jose Gonzalez with the song Down the Line. And this is a very stripped down tune, very focused, um, especially razor focused on his acoustic and the way it sounds. And from what I can tell, a lot of his music is very stripped down and very focused on acoustic technique. But I think that's the standout thing in this track is the rhythm and the, the way different strings get stressed. And uh, there's just a lot of tension in this song and you don't really get a release. And usually I'm big on, you know, the big explosion, the release, the sexual metaphor at the end of the song. But um, in this song, you, you just get tension, but it's it's great. So let's hear a little bit of Down the Line. So the, there's a, a lot to like going on with his rhythm. And uh, I, I think what I appreciate the most is... Uh, so there, there tends to be this one higher string that's kind of being strummed the whole time. And then the bass, it's like... Jing, 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 like every once in a while, like changing the chords. And, uh, it, you know, it almost sounds like a lot of bands would split that up. There'd be two people performing these parts. And uh, he, he, he dances a lot with like playing two or three... It sounds like something two or three people could be doing... And he's just doing it himself. Yeah. So just that technique is appreciated. What did Definitely. you make of this song? Definitely. I also hooked on that open E string that's just playing the whole time until that one until it changes sometimes, but most of the time. 
Yeah, I was kind of hoping for a big explosion at around two minutes would be the best part to just have a bass guitar <laughs> and a full drum set drop in. Um, I would love to hear a version where that happens. Um, I mean, it's just adding something. Maybe I can do it. Maybe I'm just going to sit down with the bass guitar and my, my drum uh, sampler and just put it in there um, without trying to destroy the song. But I can see that working. I can see there being a big explosion. At, at Absolutely. That I agree. And also when the song fades out, um, you can hear it throughout the song, but especially there it's noticeable that high noise floor, um, it's a very lo-fi recording and that noise floor really gets apparent. And I was just wondering if that would be enhanced by the reel-to-reel tape. Uh, <laughs> not not for production but for listening now would that just magically fix it <laughs> yeah also uh game up please stop blocking my shit um i had to go to vimeo once again to to view the music video um, so not only game are you not working but you're blocking this was an it wasn't just some random third party upload this was jose gonzalez official upload of the music video yeah but and... he's not getting royalties from that <laughs> sure <laughs> um and mentioning the video um you should check out the video because it's strange um yeah. you know it's got some typical music video stuff of jose is standing in various melancholy farmland like barn house situations strumming his guitar but then the other half of it is there's this weird pig-faced man uh, <laughs> driving around setting things on fire being sad um it's just i don't know i don't i don't know that i love the video but it was very interesting so maybe check it out by the way i think if the music industry collectively decided to bring back tape machines nowadays they would find a way to put drm in there <laughs> copy protection they did try to copy protect tapes but it was just like a physical thing you would snap off or something oh uh, like yeah that. yeah i remember that yeah i remember finding out why, why can't i record on this tape uh <laughs> all the times when i tried to um record something from a dvd to my vhs and suddenly the whole screen turned dark and there was distortion in there yeah man I, as a child you were like how do they know how, am i being <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you you're, you're being watched and okay now they know shit uh. <laughs> All right. And with that, that was our episode 38 of Bits and Pieces. Uh, you can follow our Spotify playlist. Uh, we have a link in the show notes so that all these songs we pick every week end up in that playlist when they're on Spotify. Um, so, you know, we're up to almost 70 songs now, aren't we? We're in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, it just keeps growing. It's it's great. Um, I, I regularly go back to the playlist and shuffle through it when I don't know what I want to listen to. It says um, 62 right now. Yesterday I added Many Lives, 49 Mana Points by Final Fantasy because back in the day it wasn't on Spotify yet. Uh, I keep forgetting we need to check on the things that weren't there to see if they <laughs> show up. And by closest to 70, I meant rounding to the nearest 70. Um, yeah. You can check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 38. And so all these articles we talked about, except the one that I don't want to share because I don't want to direct any attention um, to that. <laughs> any negative attention to that artist i just wanted to talk about that topic um me and matt love feedback we're both on twitter i'm at medwards music and matt you are at echolox e-c-h-o-l-o-x and while you're at our website you should subscribe to our show so you get new episodes automatically it's free it's it works great every smartphone um whether you're on android or ios or even you know lowly windows phone there, there are podcast apps so um, there's a built-in app on iPhone, or you could use my favorite app, Overcast, or if you're on Android, download Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. 
and then just search for bits and pieces or search for Sunrise Robot. Or you can use buttons on our website to uh, directly click and it should pop you into your app to subscribe. Um, if you'd like to support us directly, again, I'm not against patron models. Um, we're doing it here at Sunrise Robot. You can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot and uh, every dollar pledged our way yeah. helps us out. It's great. Helps us quitting our jobs. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. You know, we want to quit our we jobs. We want you to fund our lives. Yeah. Um, special thanks to our top Patreon sponsors, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. They are rock stars. Yeah. They, they listen on Real to Real. 